Welcome, and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Kelly is the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency in Phoenix, Arizona, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and the You Before Me campaign. She has a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. She was adopted when she was three days old. She was born to a teen birth mother raised in a closed adoption and reunited with her birth mother in 2007. Our goal with the Birth Mother Matters and Adoption podcast is to spread awareness and education about the beautiful choice that is adoption. Before we get started, I want to let you know that the opinions in today's podcast are those of the hosts and not necessarily those of Building Arizona Families, its affiliates, or its employees. We are back, and we are um, back in the throes of our podcast. We did have to go on a small hiatus due to... Um, some issues with one of our children who is totally fine and doing very well. But that being said, we are ready to jump right back in. And of course, with everything on the news, on social media, everywhere you look, the topic of abortion is has just exploded. It's almost like the 4th of July with topics surrounding abortion and future predictions and attention just being drawn to a left and right. So I'm, I'm actually excited to finally get an opportunity to talk about this. And obviously you're talking about the, uh, it wasn't quite a decision, but more of a leak of a potential decision on Roe v. Wade, which could in the very near future be overturned by the Supreme Court. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, and, and that leak was done on May 2nd. What are your thoughts on the actual leak? Do you think it was intended? I think absolutely it was. And my, I mean, this is obviously just speculation on my part, but my speculation oh, is that the leaker was somebody in one of the left-leaning justices camps, maybe an intern or somebody in their office that found out that this was coming down the pike and said, let's get ahead of this thing, put it out there and see if we can't change some minds on this. That's my opinion. Okay. Let's kind of take a step back and really look at where we are today, where a lot of the states are, what is really going on, because this could really escalate into something. And being in the adoption field, this is definitely going to impact adoptions. I mean, if the ultimate decision is to overturn Roe v. Wade, this will absolutely impact not just the adoption world, but other communities as well. So now with this decision, what happens is it doesn't make, and I think this is a misconception that a lot of people have, I'm guessing not our listeners, because they're pretty educated where it comes to adoption and abortion and such. It does not make it illegal, but it reverts it back to the states. They can make whatever laws they deem fit for their state in other words, it could be abortion could be completely illegal or it could be legal up to nine months. You know, I mean, and that all depends upon the state. It's, so I think there's people out there that say, oh, this is a war on women and now nobody can get an abortion in the United States. Unfortunately, that's not the case, but it's not the case. But I can see why it's so confusing. Because right now, states are doing different things, and it's not uniform across all of the states. And so 
when the vast majority of society looks at Roe v. Wade as making abortion legal, which is what kind of the tagline was, that it was promoted to be, and they're talking about overturning that, the opposite of legal is illegal. Right. And so I think that that's what's what's very much confusing to the general society. Now, if you dig deeper, it's even more confusing because states right now are primarily doing what they want to do. They're signing bills and they're making decisions independent of other states. And that's kind of what brought this about to the Supreme Court. They had to rule on one of these cases. When I went back and and did research for today's podcast, Mm -hmm. I, I really thought it was interesting looking at the discrepancy of the states. And the reason I found it so interesting was because you really see a difference again in where the states are located. And that, to me, is fascinating. What I found when I did some research and looking at some of these states are they almost go into clusters. So when one state is adopting a, a law or um, a bill, you will find that it starts to spread out around them, almost as if it's contagious. And then it's, it's, they start to pick up on some of what that law is in another state, and then it keeps going and feeding. And so I think that when when states are making individual decisions, what's important to look at is not only what that state has passed as law or what is in their current bills, but the states surrounding them as well. And that's what you really want to look at when you want to get the a good understanding. So when you look at some of the standard state laws, there is virtually no uniformity across the United States. Some examples uh, substantiating that would be 16 states have attempted to ban abortion before viability, but have been stopped by a court order. Several of these states still have bans in effect at a later point in their pregnancy. Three states attempted to ban abortion throughout pregnancy. Eight states attempted to ban abortion at six weeks or the last menstrual period based on the presence of a fetal heartbeat. Um, One state attempted to ban abortion at eight weeks. One state attempted to ban abortion at 12 weeks. Three states attempted to ban abortion at 15 weeks. You're seeing all of these different numbers. 44 states prohibit some abortions after a certain point in the pregnancy. Two of those states ban abortion at six weeks. 22 states ban abortions between 13 and 24 weeks. One state bans abortion at 20 weeks. So you're looking, again, there is, when you're talking about, you know, 12 weeks, 15 weeks, 18 weeks, 20 weeks, 22 weeks, Mm -hmm. that's not a huge discrepancy, but it means that it's, the the gap's closing. Like they're starting to close in. I think that what you and I have have always spoken about, and, and you and I share the same belief that it is, that we believe it's a baby at conception, that once the sperm meets the egg at that point. It's it is new now DNA separate from the mother and the father's DNA. With its own fingerprint, with the baby's own fingerprints. Certainly. And you're correct in its own DNA. And just saying that I now have chips because I think that again, um, if we remind some of our listeners who maybe haven't listened to all of our podcasts, that fetus really means little one. And when you are talking about the life of a baby and the life of a little one, 
it's much easier to swap out the word fetus for baby or little one because it takes then away it, the it, personhood it takes away the adorable little human mm-hmm. in the you know uh, onesie smiling at you with no teeth you know it's mm-hmm. that that first breath that they take down to the first cry to the first time you get to hold the baby it's it's very you're able to push away the emotions and the feelings by using a technical term right. rather than really what we're talking about. Much like and, the other thing that's always said, which is a clump of cells. You're taking right. away the humanity of, of the baby. Right. You're taking away that individual's right to life. Mm-hmm. And that's a really big deal. I think that's a really, really big deal. The fact that there is no continuity across the United States, I think that whatever verdict comes out at the very end you know whether this leak is is going to in fact come to mm-hmm. fruition at the you know when it is when is when is the projected date of it looks like it could come in mid to late june going back um what i think is important just for our our listeners to kind of be brought up to speed that when we're using some of the terms um throughout the podcast and when they're listening to the news or reading articles Babies are considered viable, meaning able to live outside of the womb with medical assistance between 24 to 28 weeks during the gestational pregnancy. So that being said, it leans now because as medical advances continue, it definitely leans towards the 24-week mark. Um, That's really when it crosses over into viability. Definition-wise, it's 24 to 28 weeks. And if you've ever seen a baby that was born in 24 weeks, they're very, very little, but they have all of their fingers and all of their toes. Mm-hmm. And they, there is no mistaking that that is a tiny human. And I think that it's important to, to definitely remember that. The reason that an LMP is so important, and that's the last menstrual period, is because of the way that weeks in a pregnancy are counted. Everybody says you're pregnant for nine months, nine months, nine months. And then there is 40 weeks in a pregnancy. And for some people, that's so confusing. Well, nine months is not really 40 weeks. No, it's not. And the reason that it is 40 weeks is because they're including that month from their last menstrual cycle. So when you say 40 weeks, the doctors start counting the first day after their last menstrual cycle. Okay. Which is how you get 40 weeks instead of 36 weeks. Interesting. So when they say the baby is viable at 24 weeks, what that really means is that she has been actively, I guess, pregnant for 20. Because usually you don't find out that you're pregnant until your fifth or sixth week. Right. When you start suspecting it, you miss your period. Right. right. When you miss that, when you miss your first period. And that is why there's that four weeks is already included. So that's five and six. And that's why when they say the heartbeat law, because we've talked about the heartbeat laws before when it comes to abortion, that the heart starts to beat right around the five to six week mark. So really, you've only known that you're pregnant for a week to two weeks right? before the heart starts beating. That's really important when you're looking at, you know, which states have bans at what point during their pregnancy. State mandated counseling, 18 states mandated individuals be given counseling before an abortion that includes information on at least one of the following. And that would be the ability for the fetus, which we refer to as little one or baby, Mm -hmm. 
um, and that's the 13 states, the long-term mental health consequences for the pregnant woman, which is eight states, and then the purported link between abortion and breast cancer, which is the five states. So 18 states are the only ones that mandate counseling. So less than half. Wow. Correct. Correct. Hmm. 25 states require that a person seeking an abortion wait for a specified period of time, usually 24 hours between when they receive counseling and when the procedure is performed. 12 of these states have laws that effectively require the patient make two separate trips to the clinic to obtain the procedure. 37 states require some type of parental involvement in a minor's decision to have an abortion. 27 states require one or both parents to consent to the procedure, while 10 require that one or both parents be notified. So why I found this so interesting is, as I had mentioned, in the state of Arizona, if you are under the age of 18, when you deliver your baby, you are allowed to make medical decisions for your baby. You're allowed to uh, make an adoption choice. You're allowed to sign the paperwork. However, you are not allowed under the age of 18 to make medical decisions on your own behalf. So you can sign discharge paperwork for your baby, but not for yourself. That blows my mind, just the idea of it. I mean, the concept that you literally are responsible for the life of this little child when you aren't even at an age that you can make those choices for yourself at that point. You know, I think the other factor with that is... And, and I've had many, many, many adoptive parents actually come and talk to me about this and try to gain more understanding. You know, the same kind of weird um, philosophy behind these laws would also be the birth father. You know, when you make an, an adoption choice, you know, the birth father has to be notified. He has the right to contest. Mm-hmm. He has the right to try to establish himself as the paternal father. In many states, that's not the case whatsoever whatsoever. Uh, with having an abortion. So in in some states, you are allowed to terminate your pregnancy, which is a very clinical term, um, you know, alongside fetus and everything else. Right, right. But you don't need that same permission to terminate the life. Right. So you can you can place the baby for adoption and have to notify the father, but you can have an abortion and not have to notify their father. And that would also make me wonder if you did have to have permission from the biological father of your unborn baby, would that change the abortion rates? I absolutely think that it would. The father is part of that child, like it or not, or like him or not. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, I understand that she's doing the hard part. She's carrying the child. I get that. I'm not trying to discount that at all, but he should at least have some involvement and at least be able to say, wait, I don't agree or I do agree with this choice you're making that it, that involves both of us. Right. So hopefully at the end of this, this journey of whether or not they're overturning Roe v. Wade, at least maybe the number of states that are mandating counseling increase at the very minimum. What I would like to see come about from all of this is I would like to see more young people know that adoption is a viable and encouraged option to abortion. I really would, because 
first of all, we don't like building Arizona families and leases practice. We don't see a lot of younger girls who are pregnant. They're usually a little bit older. And it makes you wonder why they didn't know about this option before, you know, when they're younger and they're, they're getting pregnant. So I can absolutely answer your question. Okay. Adoption does not have the big conglomerate backers. They, mm-hmm. they don't have these corporations that are financially pushing uh, for their viewpoint. In other words, right. they want to you know, fund Planned Parenthood, which goes on these huge campaigns promoting abortion as an option. Right. And they go into the schools. They're they're getting to the kids at a far younger age than adoption industry can possibly even. I mean, we need to try. We need to get there. But right. But but I I can't express to you how many times we've reached out to schools and they just don't want to touch it. They just Mm -hmm. don't want to uh, be responsible for information that is coming out. And so. You know, we can talk about in, in public schools, all types of birth control, and that's okay. And we can provide sex education, and that's okay. But explaining all of your options, if you do have an unplanned pregnancy, is really not okay. They don't, you know, everyone skirts around it. And I think that we're doing a huge disservice because when you go through a public education, and I'm only saying public because private schools... And charter schools are their own entities and they can make their own rules and regulations to some degree. So because we are in the state of Arizona, our governor is Doug Ducey. So Governor Doug Ducey signed a bill into law that acts as a total near ban on abortions in our state, Arizona, after 15 weeks. This was, uh, in my opinion, a very bold move, but a very good move. And I was really happy to see that. The Arizona law makes an exception for medical emergencies and requires physicians to file a report with the Arizona Department of Health Services if an abortion is performed after 15 weeks. There is no exception for cases of rape and incest. I think this is what is going, what makes this a little bit controversial for a lot of people because they don't have the education and understanding to know that that's less than 1%. Right. Of abortions. I have a question about that. Uh, somebody brought this up to me, and it did make me really think about it. So if you have a law that gives an exception for rape and incest, what is to stop the birth mother from coming in and saying, I was raped, I, it was incest, it, whatever it takes to get the procedure done? What is there anything I think that would vary state to state. And okay. I think that's why this was placed inside this Arizona law was to avoid that from happening. Okay. Um, again, rape and incest account for less than 1%. Certainly. So 99% of abortions are not based upon those two awful instances. Right. Also, the legislation makes it a felony for physicians to knowingly violate the new statute. But the measure says that no criminal punishment can be directed towards the maternal patient. So this is just at the physicians only. Physicians could also face consequences, such as having no license to practice medicine in the state suspended or revoked, along with the fines, if they are found to have given false information on forms related to abortion. I think that this is so interesting because, again, 
this is showing the value overall of human life. That is what is the foundation of adoption is that human life matters. That's why some people choose international adoption or they choose to adopt out of the foster care system because they value a human life. And I think that when, when we are looking at, you know, each of the, each of the individual laws, or we're looking at what the Supreme court is, is deciding those of us that are so vested in what the ultimate answer is going to be. I think we need to pan out a little bit and we need to see the bigger picture instead of just being so our team and what we want the outcome to be. And we need to pan out and say, you know, if, if this doesn't go in the direction or doesn't have the outcome that we're, we're hoping for, what good can still come out of what has happened other than bringing education and knowledge to adoption and to what the short-term and long-term effects of abortion really are, maybe making somebody choose another option for their unplanned pregnancy. I think that, you know, what else we can look at is instead of there being such a division in what each state chooses to do, which may continue after the result as well as it is now, mm-hmm. I think maybe there'll be a little more commonality in the states. I can hope at least that maybe something will, will strike and, and bring us together rather than divide us apart. Again, I want to state, and I know Ron, you stated this at the beginning of the podcast, the majority of the information contained in this episode is both Ron's and my opinions only. It is not reflective on uh, building Arizona families as an agency or an entity. It is just our opinions uh, based upon our interpretation of what is happening in the world today. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. Or you can reach us on our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and tell your friends about us. Birth Mother Matters in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.